again, the pessimist in me is always calling something out as thinking it's just for show. You and I are going to get along, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm born pessimist. Uh, I, I, if it, no one is more pessimistic than I am. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I think we could probably win that one. Um, <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Human Element Cares podcast on modern marketing. This is episode two of our series on race and equality. Our guests today are both co-founders of our diversity network in the UK represents. Alekia Akwaiti, who is an account director at Gyro UK, part of the Density Aegis Network. And Venya Wijay-Gunawardena, who is a strategy partner at Cara Global. Thank you both so much for joining us. We were in the midst of a significant global event, unprecedented in its nature with the pandemic and then with the killing of George Floyd two weeks ago in the United States, following on, you know, frankly, from a series of similar tragic events in the U.S., the sense of unresolved legacy of racial inequality and injustice has sent sort of shockwaves, not just throughout America, but around the world. That has a number of different facets to it. And what we're trying to do in this pod is begin a conversation about these things that a lot of times we don't feel comfortable talking about. And in our particular case, have that conversation in the context of our industry, which, let's be frank, has lagged significantly on its pathway to equal representation for decades. You know, I think if we said anything different, we'd not be telling the true story. So what I want to do today is sort of focus in on race and equality from a global perspective and sort of talk to you both about what that feels like outside of the U.S. So if you guys are ready, we'll sort of dive in. I guess what I first want to ask you is when you first heard about the most recent event with George Floyd and his tragic murder, when you first heard about that, do you remember where you were? And and at what point did you feel this moment kind of expand globally? Venya, if you're all right, can I start with you? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, it's at home in London. And I, I generally keep on top of US news anyway, because I'm just generally interested. And it was sort of horrifying because it felt like it was one thing after another. It was, you know, from Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery to George Floyd. So it did feel different this time, even though sadly, it's not particularly different story. And the protests and anti-racism movement that came after really stirred something in us over in the UK. I think it's also important to recognise the context of this because we've been in lockdown for several weeks. The coronavirus has ravaged the UK and a recent report showed that BAME communities, so that's Black, Asian, minority ethnic communities, have been disproportionately affected by the virus. So it feels like it all has come at a time where there's already just generally a very deep level of discontent. And, you know, the topic of systematic and institutionalized racism is as much a problem in the UK as it is in the US. And, you know, we have our own very specific problems that we need to address. So it definitely struck a very deep and very personal chord. Yeah. Alekia, from your perspective, how have you felt things changing around this topic in the UK over the past couple of weeks? For me, it's everyone kind of joining the conversation in constructive and non-constructive ways. So I think 
when I think back to when I first read the news as a black person, I'm sadly used to reading news about people of my race being killed by people in authority or whoever it might be. And so I I read the news because I keep up to date with the news. And then I, I saw all of this stuff on my social media feed suddenly becoming really overwhelming and constant and everywhere and there not being any gaps in it. And I think that's when I realized that it wasn't unfortunately just another news story, you know, because I'm so used to seeing that stuff. And that's when I realized that actually everybody's talking about this. And I didn't really understand, sadly, I didn't really understand why. I I was really surprised that everyone was talking about it. That for me, just having my social feeds completely littered with different content is when I started to find that it was changing the world or the rhetoric in the world. You know, we've seen protests in Paris and Amsterdam and London and other cities in the UK. What has that meant for the dialogue? Does it feel like the world is sort of joining in? Does it feel like the world is, because let's be clear, the past three and a half years, you know, American leadership in the world has diminished. I don't mean that as a political statement. It's, it's been an active choice. And so... I guess, is it unusual after three years of sort of strained connection maybe to to the rest of the world to have more of a union around this particular issue? Have you felt that sense of it, I guess? I think it's probably bigger than, you know, nations. And, you know, when you look at race, it's not about what's happened in the States versus what happens here versus what might happen in other countries. I think people are speaking up because um, they witnessed something that was awful. And it's not just because it's the States. I think, you know, it's a systemic problem everywhere. Globally, we as black and brown people are the second thoughts of society. And so I think when you see that when you're in the UK, whether you're in Spain, whether you're in Australia, wherever you might be, that's the issue. It's not that America has, you know, issues we all have issues and we all need to start reflecting and looking at ourselves wherever we may be and making changes. It just happens to be that America's um, particularly (laughs) bad with this issue. But, you know, here in the UK, we have the same issues. We just don't have police that carry guns and use them liberally, you know? Yeah. And and let me ask you about that because then, yeah, the policing structure in the UK is vastly different than it is in the United States you don't have the sense of militarization of the police force in the UK that we do here. How significant is that a difference? There was actually a a very interesting report done by an MP called David Lammy a couple of years ago as part of the former Conservative government under Theresa May. And that actually had a lot of really interesting revelations, which I suppose aren't particularly surprising really about how disproportionately affected people from, you know, BAME backgrounds are by stop and search policies, police brutality, you know, being injured or killed in police custody. So this is, whilst, yes, it is not as much of a militarised police force, I think the the structural issues that I think is, is clear in the US are also an issue here. And I think, you know, we also have to reflect on, on British colonial history as well, because you know, as as much as that is perhaps watered down in in education systems and is probably not talked about as as kind of openly as it should, 
there's a very big conversation going on right now about statues of slave traders and how we kind of literally put people who have, you know, profited immensely from the slave trade up on a pedestal. And, you know, those statues are being torn down now. And we're having a conversation, a very overdue conversation, I think, about it. Yeah, very similar to the discussion we're having now around generals in the Confederacy and the United Mm. States. So let's get to our industry a second. As I mentioned at the open, you know, it is not an exaggeration and it is not being anywhere near overly harsh to say that we have struggled collectively as an industry uh, around issues of representation. Do you feel some sense that maybe this time things might be different? And if so, why is that? And if not, what can make it different? So we started Represent, which is the diversity network for people from the BAME community, BAME of BAME background in the UK, in Densu, uh, several months ago. We, as the co-founders of it, alongside the rest of our steering committee, have felt incredibly passionate about this for much of our careers because it is something that we live, literally live with, right? We are quite often the only people of colour in meeting rooms. You know, we are very conscious of it whilst it may not have been a thing that anyone else has really thought about. So on one hand, I feel really angry and I feel really frustrated that it's taken a global anti-racism movement for people in our industry to set up a notice. However, I also feel that it's a watershed moment where we have a chance to step up to the plate and put our money where our mouth is. And I think, you know, our leaders in our business and our industry need to be at the very heart of it. It shouldn't be up to networks like Represent to drive this change. It needs to come from the top. Absolutely. Alekia, what's your perspective on that? So I would echo everything that Venya said. And I think I'm, (laughs) in all of our discussions, I'm probably the slightly more pessimistic or sceptical one when we speak about anything like this. Like Venya, I've been really angry And actually, it's only this past week that I've started to try and be more productive with my anger, because I think essentially when all of this happened, as someone who is from a BAME background, we're so used to seeing fleeting moments of people talking about things. And so I mentioned my social media feeds earlier, like that was absolutely overwhelming and bizarre to think that so many people would suddenly be saying and calling out the same things that you have seen and been calling out your whole life. So to get to 28 and suddenly have other people recognize this stuff is really frustrating. You know, why have I had to wait my whole life? Why have we had to wait for the whole of history to happen? Why couldn't we have done more sooner? Particularly because, as Venya mentioned, like we started Represent a year ago and suddenly everything's kind of taking off and we've got opportunities to make change. But we do have opportunities to make change, which is a positive thing. And I think one realization that I had as an individual, you know, was that actually I think this will encourage people to speak up where before they wouldn't have. Mm. And I think in our industry, particularly, there's this kind of ongoing idea that people can make certain jokes at other people's expense. And there's this culture of kind of fun, which is great, but also means that, you know, people are picked on because of whether that's their race, their gender, their sex, you know. I, for example, reported something that had happened a while ago that I wouldn't have reported because I didn't have any faith before that 
I would have been heard um, because I've seen other things kind of pass by and I now know that that will be taken seriously. So I felt empowered to do that. And I hope through, you know, some of the things that represent that we enable other people to feel empowered, but also I think by mere fact that people are talking about this so much and it's in the news, I think people who are from other, you know, underrepresented backgrounds will now feel that their voices will be taken seriously. And, you know, Venya and I have had multiple discussions about things that we're saying at the moment, things we're asking of the business. And we we always have this kind of initial layer of fear that we're saying too much or we're being too controversial. But actually, I don't feel that people should be fearful now. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we can continue to be honest and make, I was going to say bold asks, but they're not bold asks, just what, yeah. you know, what we deserve. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, that last sentence, I think is... I don't want to say reflective of the problem, but it's it's a reflection of an issue, which is, you know, for you to feel like you have to characterize fair asks as bold asks is inherently part of the problem, right? I mean, of the many problems we have here, that is like an insidious small one, but it, again, it drives a lack of progress because you're having to sort of reset your expectations downward almost because of uh, uh, whether it's that sense of fear or that that loss of faith and so I think you know one of the things I hope is an organization again of the many things I hope is that we can tackle that part too because our ability to eliminate those lowered expectations for you both and for your organization is a step forward for us right and these are not bold asks they're not so Venya I want to come back to you for a second last week in the UK, there was an open letter signed by many leaders in our industry, including some of our own. On one side, there's a sense that while long overdue, this is progress and progressive. And then there's a sense on the other side that, yeah, maybe it's progress, but it still feels somewhat performative. And so I guess my question is, what was your reaction? And then my follow-up to that is, what's the right way to do these things so they don't feel that way? How do you find progress without it having a performative angle to it? As an industry, we are particularly guilty of it. We we are very quick to jump on a bandwagon. That's just kind of how, yes. how we function, right? You know, diversity has been a buzzword in our industry for several months now, I think. You know, there's talks I can about it. It's in campaign front cover. It's, you know, there are panels about it. I think what we're witnessing is a sort of sense of of momentum that feels different this time. It does feel different. And I think, you know, for the first time, I think people who work in our industry are going to be very quick to call out lip service when it is just lip service. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the interesting parallels that I think we can draw is a year or so ago when Extension Rebellion first hit the scene and there were a number of climate change protests that were happening in London. And again, Adland had a lot of opinions on it, but whether, you know, there has been a committed sort of movement behind that in industry, in agency, I'm not sure. I do think there is an element of of performativeness in it, but I also think, you know, it needs to be called out three months down the line if nothing has happened, six months down the line. We need to be really honest with ourselves about what is meaningful and what isn't. For what it's worth, I agree. I, I, I think it's one of those things that can be both at the same time. 
the fact that it may well be progress does not diminish the fact that it probably is also somewhat performative. Yeah. Let's be honest. Let's call me out for a second. You know, our decision to do this in the podcast happened as a result of these events, not as a result of, you know, other events earlier. I felt very strongly that there was no way we could drop last Monday and not talk about this. Like it just, to me, it was like perpetuating a different universe to arrive and talk about, you know, brand safety. So I like, yeah, let me ask you kind of a, a similar question, your opinion on sort of that progress performative thing. And, and I guess a, a follow-up for you specifically is how are you and represent trying to help the organization maybe around finding that line? Are you? And then how are you, I guess, if that makes sense. Again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Our CEO sent out a message saying that she'd signed that open letter and I was really glad. But I also kind of felt mm-hmm. compelled to follow up with her and ask that more happen. And she was really yeah. open to that conversation. So I think what Benya was saying a moment ago about, you know, let's see what's happening in three months time is really important. But I also think there's another element to it where people, you know, many of our CEOs are going to be, you know, white and not know what to do and feel uncomfortable, which is also a problem. But I think part of it is people scramble around looking for ways that they can help and contribute and they don't really know how to do it. And I think when something's quite simple and they know it's the right thing to do and it's easy to do they they do it from a genuinely good place but you know it's important that we keep following up and making sure that it, it there's meaningful change off the back of that initial action signing an open letter isn't a very difficult thing to do but it's a public thing they've all done it and they've all shared that with their you know teams and the who they lead and i hope that is kind of a a pledge to be more open about this and to continue talking to people. And then in terms of what we have been doing and how we've been trying to help steer the business, we have been very busy over the last week or two. It's actually been quite intense. So we've we've been speaking to different areas of the business about how communication should go out, about what kind of pattern that should follow. So I'm trying to make sure that we are inward looking before we are outward looking you know, if you are a person of color who has witnessed the last few weeks, I mean, there's no getting away from it. And it's really been a very difficult time for many people. The worst thing you could possibly be faced with is seeing your business outwardly saying something for for PR purposes before they've spoken to you and checked in with you. So we've really been trying to pivot the business towards speaking to staff, looking after staff, checking in with people, using the right language, not being exclusive in the way that they communicate. And, you know, we're going to get it wrong as well because we're just five people who are passionate about this. We don't have any credentials. I mean, all of our training is just from being BAME. (laughs) That's all we're coming to the table with. But I think, you know, we even in the last, actually earlier today, had someone call us out on something that we'd gotten wrong and we've all just got to kind of continue to put our hands up and say, okay, we're trying, we'll like continuing this conversation and we're doing our best. So the fact that the business is allowing us to review things and work with them on things is is amazing. And I don't think we'll be able to revert back from that now because everybody's ears have perked up and everyone is engaged. So we've just got to try and keep that momentum, I think. So obviously there's energy here in the industry and in our business. What do we need to do to maintain it? How do we make sure that 
five weeks from now, in the depths of summer, we aren't on to something else, right? You know, some major U.S. corporation has a significant privacy breach and there's a huge thing and it's connected to Russia and active measure. I'm just inventing a story. And that suddenly becomes the thing. How do we make sure that this is still at the very top of our list, not just for what we talk about, but for how we act as an organization? First and foremost, this is an amazing opportunity for us to to redesign and pivot the entire industry. You know, time and again, we have seen reports from management consultants who have, you know, solid commercial proof that businesses who are more diverse perform better. We've listened to that and we've not done anything about it. So not only does it make complete business sense, it makes moral sense. You know, it makes all the sense, right? Right. But in order for us to do that, it needs to be, and I'll go back to what I said earlier, it needs to be in the accountability of our leaders to make that change. It's not up to HR. It's not up to diversity networks like ourselves. It needs to be from the top. And that means KPIs. It means, you know, a number of different ways we can tackle that. But unless it's on the kind of agenda of people who are leading our business, then that's the way I think we need to keep the momentum going. Yeah, if it doesn't sit right next to a PowerPoint slide, next to a bullet that says grow revenue, it won't happen, right? Yeah. I'd like you, from your perspective, do you have any suggestions on how to maintain sort of the urgency and focus as we move forward? Yeah, I think call people out. I think <laughs> I feel fearless at the moment. I, you know, under no circumstance should anyone be penalized for calling out racism or practices that are unfair to certain people of certain races or or anything. And if I get fired for saying to a CEO that this is racist, you should improve this, this puts me at a disadvantage, then I will have done my job because, you know, who's not going to want to listen to that story? Who's not going to be outraged by that? I hope that this has given people like myself, like Venya, the energy and the encouragement to have those conversations and to say, you know, this isn't working. You've dropped the ball on this. You promised you were going to do these things. Let's keep the fire behind that. Like I said, no one's going to get fired for calling out unfair practices and racism. So the way to sustain that is by keeping people accountable. And some of the things that we're looking at taking to our board will be things that do hold them accountable, you know, potentially financially. But beyond that, it's actually them giving us the sustained time. And if they don't do that, there's many ways you can get people's attention. You just have to be honest and direct and keep doing that. And I think, you know, like I said, I feel empowered to do that now and I encourage everybody else to do the same. So we're still in this crazy situation from a pandemic perspective where you're both, you know, at home, largely stay at home, you know, doing all of this work via video conference and Zoom. And so it's one thing to try to do this work. It's another to do this work apart. It's remarkable to to try to do it under any circumstances, but to do it under these is truly remarkable. When you turn off Zoom at night, finally, and you sit back, what are the feelings and emotions and thoughts that come to you when you unplug for the day and you sit back and sort of consider the past 14 days what are the things that you feel the most well (laughs) 
It's been a very emotional couple of weeks because this is a very personal topic for us. And it's also been a side of our, I think, like, yeah, again, we were chatting about this, that we've actively kind of suppressed till now. So it's really, it's a very strange feeling to have all of this kind of being talked about publicly and in our, in our, you know, even in our business, like we start represent on top of our day jobs. And this has almost become a bit of a day job in the last couple of weeks. So it's been full on, but I am also very hopeful because I do feel like change is afoot. So I feel really excited about that because I think this industry will be all the more stronger. This company will be all the more stronger if more diverse voices get a platform and, and really drive it forward because it just makes us more creative. It makes business sense, right? So so I'm very hopeful. Thank you for that. Alekia, your perspective on your thoughts as you turn everything off at the end of the day. Very similar to Venya. It's been utterly exhausting. It's been really overwhelming. And I think it's very personal. You know, this affects us deeply, what happens and what has been happening. And so I think when I switch off at the end of the day, I'm still having the same conversations roll over in my head. It's hard to step away from it. And I, because we, we've never have been able to, I'm still really taken aback by and kind of freaked out about the fact that we've been speaking out loud about this to so many people for, a, you know, more than a day or more than an hour. It's, I think that's probably the most overwhelming part of it is that actually, like when you said, it is becoming basically a day job, but also it was this kind of secret thing that you wouldn't be able to just like raise in conversation casually because you would feel like you were putting yourself in a vulnerable position or you would be marginalized and, you know, don't talk to her again. She's a bit of a downer or whatever. <laughs> like, so at the end of the day, I am, I'm really proud and I feel happy that we're able to be trying to make a difference but also it's just kind of it can be quite gloomy because this is life for us it's and you know it's difficult and it's different than societal life for most people or what that's deemed to be so it's yeah mind-boggling really messy at the end of the day really exhausting you know I'm pent up basically I'm like this needs to continue it's all kind of blurring into one at the moment it's hard to switch off All right, last question. Any last thoughts or feelings, especially to your colleagues and peers in the multicultural BRG in the US at the moment who are in, again, the exact same situation that you are from a, the entire organization has arrived on their front door, like asking them every single question while they're attempting to do work at the same time. I mean, that same thing. Do you have anything specific that you might want to share with them? One really, really, really important thing is to support each other. It's a really overwhelming shift in attention. You know, you kind of go from having to like bang on people's doors to get a conversation to suddenly having numerous people that you haven't heard of before contact you and reach out to you. And as encouraging as that is, and as, you know, great it is for our agenda and pushing that forward, it's also really emotionally draining because we're not talking about media plans and you know revenue and budgets and creative we're talking about us and how this business and society affects us and how we want that to change and we're having conversations with people who we wouldn't 
typically necessarily feel comfortable with having those conversations with. And so one thing that I've relied upon really super heavily is the other guys in Represent to talk to, to kind of like debrief with, to wrap my arms around and feel wrapped around as well. Make sure that, you know, pushing forward a business agenda doesn't, you know, come before anyone's mental health, because I think that's, it's really easy to find yourself in a bit of a hole. That's great advice. Thank you. Benya, any suggestions? Have you had any conversations with the folks in the multicultural BRG in the US? Yeah, we're planning to speak to them early next week um, because I think it's, yeah, it's, this is, we were discussing this as a team before, like, there's no handbook on how to deal with this, right? We're not trained to deal with this. There's no real precedent, really, if we think about it. So I think one of the things that definitely Alekia has told me today, in fact, when, you know, we got something wrong and I was horrified and I've been really anxious about actually getting something wrong because it's only a matter of time right because we're not all perfect it's a hundred percent inevitable as a cmo you know we are generating messaging internal external and every message we've created you know on a normal day but the last couple weeks obviously that has been that has been heightened and i've been very clear to the team and to management i'm like we're not gonna get this hundred percent right so you know this idea that marketing has to be a zero-sum game that's not the game we're playing anymore. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to you know, walk into the end table and do something dumb. Like being able to pick up the phone to Lake and say, oh God, I'm an idiot. What have I done? Um, <laughs> is, that's comfort, right? And just being able to have people you can you know, talk to about it and, and own it and, also, and you know, be, be kind of vulnerable because I think that's, we're just human, right? At the end of the day. So... At the end of the day, yes. You both are remarkable. I can't thank you enough for coming on. You've been fantastic. One of my favorite pods. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Human Element. Next week, we will continue this conversation on race and equality. Please be safe, be well, and be just. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.